Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be starting Masechus Tainis, but we're on Dafei today. Um, was away in New York. Masechus Tainis, how do you guys like it so far? I think it follows Rosh Hashanah pretty, pretty smoothly. You know, the, every time we start a new Masechta, we talk about what we learn and why it's connected, and we know the idea that it may have to do with the number of Prakim. Uh, but the Ramah and the Parish of Mishnayis, has more elaborate descriptions as to why one follows the other. Uh, for us, of course, is always the Dafyomi coincidence because we're towards the end. We're right. We're uh, we're about to start with the Vitain Talmater almost soon. You know, Andrew's making a wedding December first. I don't know if you knew that. So that should be very exciting. And then shortly thereafter, here in the diaspora, uh, uh, we'll start. And so that's coming up, and we're very much looking forward to that. The um, Gemara today will have six conversations in Rav Nachman and Rav Yitzchak, so something to look forward to, and a beautiful bracha that's become very, that's very famous at their parting. So, without further ado, however, we'll start with some halacha. Four lines up from the bottom on Dalad Amud Beis, where Rabbi Leibowitz, uh, the great Dafyomi master Shlita, left you off yesterday, and so there is a discussion with regards to not the same Talmater, but Mashi Baruch Umorida Gashem. Right? We know. That that starts on Shemini Atzeret, right? Okay, which is which is the eighth day. Now, in the Gullus, there's an eighth and a ninth day, right? Because you have we call it we break it up into Shemini Atzeret and Simchas Torah. And in many ways, all the sake of the Yoma, you have a re- repeat, right, of the first day. So the fascinating three Machlokas about the following question. Can you do a repeat of the Mashavaruch Umborid Hagashem, right, Filas Geshem, on the second day of Yantiv? Now you may ask yourself, as Rava eventually does, and for some reason Rava, it has been going on, this has been going on since Brachos, always seems to make the most sense to me. I don't know that Rava would like to hear that, but it always seems to be very pragmatic. So Birnbaum always, whenever we quote Rava, he says, You're really a Rava guy. But, anyways. Rava eventually argues, once you've said then you're, why would you go back and say it again? Uh, it would almost be like having a second Pesach Seder. Like once you've left Mitzrayim, what, are you going to run back into Mitzrayim and go back and go back in again? So the answer ends up being, uh, I'll give it away, that that is in fact how we paskin. But consider the fact that if you have a true sfeik of the Yoma, you could in theory do any one of the following possibilities, and these end up being the possibilities. You could say, say that for today, it's going to be, but then starting tomorrow, which starts at Mariv, by the way, right, because the Yom Holech after the Laila, starting tomorrow, it'll be a new day with a new Sveik of the Yoma, and then again at Musaf, because we know we've already learned that at Musaf is where we say, you'll say it again. And Geshem, and then you'll do Mincha. Birnbaum likes that because he likes the Tfilas Geshem. That's one way of saying it. Another way of saying it is we have a Sveik of the Yoma, maybe even Sveik of the Yoma, we should not add Mashivrochem yet, the entire first day, but for the ceremony of Tfilas Geshem. And then tomorrow would really be the beginning of, of the Tfilas Geshem. So all of these, uh, all of these Shitos play out over here. And so without further ado, we'll take it home to the Mishnah. From the Gemara here. Vanan de Islan Trey Yomi. So us who are in the diaspora and Gullus 
and we have two days. Hechi of din. How should we do uh, the Mashiv Baruch Marida Gashem with respect to the Suffolk the Yama? So Amar Rav, Rav Shita is Matchil Ben Musafim. So you'll do right what we call Shmini Atzeret. You'll say it feels Gashem as we do, and then Posik Ben Mincha Arvis V'Shacharis. So there you go. In other words, you're only saying it once. You're saying feels like Gashem. Uh, presumably you'll say uh, at Musaf, and then you're not mentioning it again the rest of that day. You're not going to mention it again until after Tefillah Sageshem the following day on what we call Simchas Torah. And then V'chozer Musafin, right? Next day, Simchas Torah and Musaf, when everyone's out of it already and half the people went home, you're going to have Tefillah Geshem again, and that's when you're going to repeat it. So again, the the... Um, one way of looking at it is that really the art school has a good way of um, formulating it. That really permanent mention of rain should be deferred to the day that you know at least for sure that's the day. But the formal right ceremony can be observed both days. Interesting. So that was Rav. To which Shmuel, Amar Lahu Shmuel, So this was reported to Shmuel. It's not a conversation they had personally. Rav and Shmuel were contemporaries. <coughs> He called him Abba. It seems like Abba is his name. That's what Rashi, I believe, is, means when he says Chaveri. Unless he means that Abba means Chaveri. That's what they used to call their buddies. Be that as it may, Shmuel means, Go say to Rav, Right after you treat the, right, the eighth day, basically, as holy, how do you treat it as holy? Well, you said, You also did the Musaf. You also did... Right, uh, abstained from malacha. I mean, you treated Kodesh in every other way. So you've already, you're treating it as Yantiv. So now you're going to go back and say that what? That it's not Yantiv? Which, uh, right, what he wants to do is to, uh, is to maintain, right, the, the practice of treating it as a, as a legitimate day of Yantiv, which is what we end up doing. But that's his, that's his contention. His contention of Shmuel is that once you go and said, the Tfilas uh, Geshem, then certainly Musaf and certainly Mincha of that day should also have Mashiv Baruch Now the question is, once you've done that, then how could you go back to not saying it at Marev that night and Shachris, which is the sheet of Shmuel, right? The difference between Shmuel and Rab would be whether you say Mashiv Baruch at Mincha at the end of the day, right? You could ask, Lamai Nafkamina? Well, Shmuel will say, say it also at Mincha. Once you said it during the day, say it also at Mincha. You could have asked on Shmuel that Right, how, in other words, Shmuel's only uh, contention is within that day. You started treating that day as Yantiv, you have to treat the entire day as Yantiv. But he's willing to reintroduce the Sveik of the Yoma the following day, right, starting at Marv that night. So that's, that's uh, interesting in its own right. Be that as it may, El Amr Shmuel, so what does Shmuel want to, want to do? Matchil ben Musafim Mincha. Start and say Musaf and Mincha of Shemini Atzeres, and then Posek Arvis Shachris. Right there, it is that you stop after Mincha. Now you start again with Arvis and Shachris, as if it's Chol, and then Vachozer Matchil Musafin. and then you say Mashiv Ruachamayda Gashem again. Um, so it's a fascinating question as we finally turn to and arrive at Hey Amad Aleph and, and and see the Shita of Rava that we paskin like. It's a fascinating question because this is a rare thing. Tfilasagashim is a rare thing that appears in the middle of a yantiv. You don't have too many things, right? All the other things that we do, we can carry through the entire yantiv. But if you're going to have a repeat, right? If you're going to say that one day is a dress rehearsal of the other, 
and it's a real repeat, then you're going to also, how do you handle the fact that you're repeating something that actually takes place in the middle of the day, as Tfilas HaGeshem does? So Shmuel's Shita is not that outlandish to say. You're going to treat the first day like in the middle of the day, you have Tfilas HaGeshem, and then the rest of the day is Mashi Baruch HaMir but then you repeat that same performance the next day. It's not outlandish to say, because of the fact that really this is a unique situation where you have something that appears in the middle of the day. And so in the, in, right, in the spirit of doing the same thing over again, that's how Shmuel says to handle it. However, the third opinion and final opinion, Rav Amar, first words in Hamad Aleph, once you say, you never stop. And Rav backs him up. And the Gemara says, And even Rav, Whose original state, right? Shita was that you have to, that, that you um, only say, right, and then you don't really continue until the second day that you say, he went back on that Shita, the Amar of Chadan al Marav, of Chadan al Hod Rav saying, Shir, you actually count the days. We say, right, like we say, we have a Shaila and Shavuos, why does it have a Sveik of the Yama? It's a certain number of days that you count from, from right Pesach. So the, that's not really connected to the calendar and to the Kedusha Shachodesh per se, right? So similarly here, when he says that Yom Kippur, and once you know when Rosh Chodesh is, you count ten days. You're really counting nine nine days from the first day, but you you get the idea. You count ten days with Rosh Hashanah being the first day. And so once you have that, so similarly, you're going to count to the 22nd day, right? Shemone, Asar Yomim Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, you're going to count uh, the 21 days, right, from Rosh Hashanah um, in, order to, in order to know when the Shemini Atzeris is. And at that point, you're going to start counting. This is another way of saying that you don't really have a Sveik of the Yoma. In other words, Rav retracted, not maybe, I would have said the following. Rava, and maybe this is, I don't know what Rava's yeah, svara per se is, but I always said, like, what's so bad about saying and like once you've already said it, you let the cat out of the bag, you know what I mean? Like it's already out there. So how do you put that toothpaste back in the tube? But that's because I'm thinking like a balabas, right? There's lambdas in there that I'm missing. The, the, the uh, Rav is saying a different svara, that there's no sveik of the yoma here. It's not a real sveik of the yoma. Right. The real question is the Rabari Libritz asks is, what does it have to do with Yom Kippur? Like, why is he comparing it to Yom Kippur? So one, some of the Mepharshim will explain that just like Rosh Hashanah is really, in other words, Rosh Hashanah is the real suffix, right? Rosh Hashanah, you always have the two days, even in Eretz Yisrael. So, so in contrast with Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur already you know. That's accounting. And so similarly, once you're saying that with respect to Yom Kippur, you could say that also with respect to uh, Sukkot subsequently and Shemini Asaris thereafter. So the bottom line is, did you want to say something about that? You had a, no, all right. So I think he's still muttering about the response card for the wedding. Is that what it was? That was? Okay. So he says like this, Shemona Asar Yavim Rosh Hashanah, you're Umatchil. Anyway, so says Rav, right? Says Rav that once you started, you don't stop saying the, you don't stop saying the Mashiach Baruch Hashem. To which the Gemara concludes, that once you started saying, you do not stop. Very good. So we're at the Mishnah and Hamad Aleph, and we're saying the following. Now we're saying Talmud Matar. Asks the Gemara. 
Ad matai shalim esagshamim. When do we request rain? Right? This is not gruos geshamim. This is asking for rain. So when do you stop? So Yehuda Omer, ha-Pesach. You keep going until the very end, the second days of Pesach, when you're at the in-laws. Rameir Omer, Achi Yetzei Nisan. Rameir says, no, you wait till the end of that month. Shanamar. He has a pasuk from Yoel. Did you know that there was a Sefer Yoel? Okay, good. This was a terrible, this was at the end of a terrible situation. What happened in Sefer Yoel was there was a famine like you wouldn't believe, as the, as the Gemara is going to discuss it. Then at the end of the famine, um, they, they started praying, they basically were praying and they got a lot of rain. They got a lot of rain and the Pasuk explains that that happened, right, Barishon, which was the first month, which is Nisan. So it sounds like they had rain the entire month of Nisan. So at least with respect to Meir Shita here, it sounds like it rained all of Nisan, and therefore that's when you request rain until the end of Nisan. Right? Everybody knows that, um, right, in terms of the seasons, you have the rain ending in Israel, right, and then it just never returns. Um, and it's somewhere around that Kufa. It's just a question of when exactly. So we're pinpointing into middle of Nisan, basically, or the very end of Nisan, okay? Not even middle, right? The end of Pesach, like the 22nd of Nisan, or is it the end of Nisan? So let's see. Says the Gemara. Now we're going to have Rav Nachman and Rav Yitzchak discussing six different things, but first this. Amalei Rav Nachman and Rav Yitzchak. Nachman asked Rav Yitzchak, Yorub in Nisan? He's asking a question on the Pasuk. Not necessarily in the Halacha. Rav Meir said that the rain continues till the end of Nisan, and he brings a Pasuk in Yoel, which has more umalkosh, going on in Nisa. Now, what is Moret? What's Malkush? So Moret typically is the first rains. Malkush is the last rains. So the question isn't on the halacha. It's just an interesting pasuk. In other words, as long as the Malkush is, is Berishon, then you're going to understand that the last rains are to the end of Nisa. And that's what we're talking about. But what's the Moret? What's the first rain doing here at the end of the rainy season in Nisan? That's really the question. Not halacha, but pasuk. Understanding Pshat in the pasuk. As Rav Nachman uh, fleshes out, he says, Yorubim Archeshvanhu. The first rain is in Cheshvan. The Tanya, Yorubim Archeshvan, Umalkus Benisan. Right? We have a bracelet that says that explicitly. So to which Rabbi Yitzchak answers, Rabbi Yochanan. Ah, I was in Rabbi Yochanan Shir, the great God of Neretz Israel, and he said the following, Don't forget, this isn't safe for Yoel, and therefore the Pasuk. Yeah, is recording what happened miraculously in those days. What's this yeser hagazam achal arbe? Well, whatever the locust left, the arbe locust, there's two types of, of locusts, a gazam locust, an arbe locust. It is a description of the fact that in fact the um, famine was so incredibly profound, right, that it had like this four-year plague of locusts, and there was nothing left. There was nothing left. And therefore, the return of the rain was a miraculous return. It was really Hashem responding to their prayers. So Yore and Marcheshvan was like a snowflake in July, right? It was an unusual uh, occurrence that would happen during the year. It was a miraculous occurrence. So that explains the Pasuk, right? And we don't, like I said, we don't have a question regarding the Halacha. It just explains the Pasuk of what Mora is doing here in Nisan itself. And now the Gemara is going to explain the historical background as follows. It says the Gemara. 
Uh, can you imagine a year where Elder is already over and you still haven't had the first rain? That's, that's severe, okay? You're in real trouble if you don't have rain like that. The first rain is always called the first revia. Okay, so that's the first rain. It came, fell out on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. Unbelievable. An incredible, miraculous story. He says, go and plant. Go sow the fields. The Navi said, right, this is the Navi Yoel, said, go and plant whatever seeds you have. They say back to him, guess what? We're literally starving to death. If we don't eat, if we put these seeds in the ground, we'll just starve to death. Is that going to do us any good? We're going to put the seeds in the ground. We'll have literally nothing to eat, right? So they were resistant to sowing those seeds. That's what this means. He says, all I have is a cob of wheat or two cobs of barley, right? Barley is cheaper than wheat. Right, so I have a, 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 a wild choice here. I can either eat the seeds and then I'll live, or I could plant them, which might be good and maybe the crop will work out, but then I'll die of starvation because I have nothing to eat but these seeds. That's really their response. They were resistant to planting the seeds. So Amalahem, so the Navi Yoel said, You have to have blind faith here. Even though you think that this is the only thing that can sustain you, I'm telling you from Hashem as a Navi that you should go and plant and, and sow these seeds. So Nas and Haim Nes, they sowed the seeds and a Nes occurred. What was this Nes? Wow. They sowed the seeds and sure enough, revealed to them was grain in the walls and the ant holes and all the little nooks and crannies of their house. Wow. Now, that's amazing. You see a nace. Now, I don't know. The Maharsha, quoted by Rav Leibowitz here, says, you'll see, you see that the Pasuk is going to end up quoting, Hazorim Bedima Berina that if you, if you plant with right tears, right, so then you're going to actually end up reaping with joy. And he, and he says, well, they didn't really reap with joy. They found it in the crevice of the walls. Well, I don't see the kasha. First of all, as you will see, they did in fact reap with joy. They ultimately did reap the rewards of those seeds. They grew into massive, after seven years of famine, they grew into massive produce. So they really did reap with joy. <clears throat> the Masha thinks it's a question because they didn't really reap because they found it in the walls. Well, later they found it in the fields. But be that as it may, it's an opportunity for a Garanowitz Musser moment, which is if you think that there's a direct kochi ve'otzim yadi correlation between your actions and what Hashem gives you, think again. Hashem will take your hishtadlus, yes, and then Hashem miraculously gives it to you anyway, right? You, can, you think that you are uh, reaping what you sow, but really you sow, and then Hashem is giving it to you bechesed. And so it could come from the ground or it could come from the walls, right? Like, uh, like the, <clears throat> the great Rafi Gutman Shlita told me uh, on Shabbos um, a couple of weeks ago when Yitzchak is, is digging up the wells, there's a Hasidic Shavart that he, it says the word Yachpor that he's digging, and then he finds the water. Well, he knows that the water is there. That's why he's digging. That's where the wells were before. It's not, shouldn't be considered such a Metziah. It says, no, your, your philosophy, your mentality should always be that you're doing the Ishtadlis, and whatever you find, that's Hashem giving it to you, Bechesed. Beautiful Gerard, what's a Muslim moment? Okay, so, 
<clears throat> historically, they found it. So they were Moser Nefesh. They had blind faith. They took real mysterious Nefesh. They took the, all the life, right, sustenance that, the sustenance that they had left and they stuck it in the ground. And sure enough, they had a nace and they found stuff in the cupboards. Okay. Then Yatsu Vizaru Sheni Vishlishi Ravi. Then the second, third, fourth Nisan, whatever the grain they had from before. Uh, and meantime, they were only living on the newly stuff that they found in the crevices of their walls. And sure enough, So again, Rosh Chodesh Nisan was the first rain. Second rain was Chamisha Nisan. This is an accelerated raining schedule now. They brought the Korban Omer on the 16th of Nisan, as we do, right? On the regular day of that Korban Omer, after which you can now eat, uh, right, all the, all the Chadash. Wow. That grain, which normally takes six months to grow, right, all the time from Tisha and Nisan that you're cultivating those fields, grew in 11 days, right, from the 5th of Nisan until the 16th, right, because that's when the uh, second rain came. So that's in 11 days. Nimsa Omer HaKrev Mitzvah Shel Shisha Chadashim, right, normally you bring a Korban Omer and you're bringing it from that, that grain that grew over six months that you just, uh, reaped now, carved mitzvah shalachadas or yom. But instead, they were doing it from tvuah that actually had been planted earlier that month. You remember, this is what happened the first year when, when, uh, you might recall, when we entered Eretz Yisrael. This was in, in Masecha Sukkah, we were, we were, uh, Rosh Hashanah. We were learning this, that they came in, remember, we couldn't be mitzam same exactly what day it was, because who knows, because it was miraculous how quickly the, the wheat grew. Anyways, this is another example of when Hashem made the wheat grow very quickly. So whenever you're saying a beautiful, right, uh, part of Tehillim, you're really referring to this. This is Shir uh, Malos, right? We, it's a beautiful idea. Um, underratedly, it lost by very few votes. It was going to be the national anthem of Israel. Shir Malos. Um, and and Ainu Kecholmim, think of how beautiful it would be. Ainu Kecholmim, Azimalas Chokpino, Lushanainu Rina, the beautiful idea of the, the Gullus eventually leading to the Geula. Um, my wife jokes, maybe I shouldn't say it, that it's a good thing it didn't win because maybe then Tehillim would be uh, banned. That's a terrible, that's a terrible joke. Uh, because it's Hatik, forget it. Okay, forget that. Uh, strike it from the record. Be that as it may, it's a beautiful. Idea, but you didn't know that you're referring to the, to the Klal Yisrael in the days of the prophet Yoel. What does that mean? Again, continuing with that part of Tehillim, that he's walking, now you have a visual whenever you say this. He's walking and crying because this was all the seeds they had left and they're starving. That no say, he's going to end up carrying, it's like, Almost as you're planting, it's growing. It's so, it's, it's, uh, creating a visual that as you're planting, it's like cropping up so fast that you're carrying meshachazara. That during the process of planting, you're already seeing produce and you end up having to carry it. Okay? Right? Just like when the ox plows, right? He's crying, so to speak, because he's exerting all this effort. However, the, in this case, everything grew so fast. Right? He's doing a back and forth on these, on these furrows. And on the way there, the ox is sort of schwitzing 
and really exerting himself and so to speak crying. Already when he's doing the back, the back, the return on the same area with the furrow, the whole area is sprouted with green from what he had plowed on the way there and he's eating it already. I mean, I tell him from the furrow. Bezehu bo yava barina. Right? And that's what it means that he's going out, going out, crying, coming back with joy. My no mosav, as we know, is the end of that pasuk. Mm-hmm. What does it mean? He's carrying bundles. said some say it was a That the stalks of grain no mosav. Normally, you're saying you're carrying, um, right? Normally, you say you're carrying stalks of grain. Here is like the giantness. The one hand span ears of corn with two hand span. Uh, I'm sorry, one hand span the stalk and two hand span ears. These these things that they were planting not only grew fast; they were like comically large. Okay, uh, the way they grew, you know, indicating the true miraculous nature of their growth. Okay, so fine. So now, fifteen lines up from the bottom. Amalei of Nachman Leiv Yitzchok. So that's conversation number one. Now, Nachman asked like this. So now, uh, topic number two is very related. We're going to talk about the history, the really tragic history of the seven-year famine that took place. Mind you, the Pasuk is like this. That Pasuk, right? that Pasuk is in Malachim Beis, the famous um, Haftorah of Lech Lecha, I believe. When the prophet Elisha revives the woman, right? She was Ovadia's widow. Ovadia's um, widow was destitute, even though he prayed for all of Klal Yisrael and tried to support all of Klal Yisrael. She was destitute, and he says, "Kumi lechi at So this is this is not when when the Haftorah ends. It's a great ending to the story. Elisha is able to revive her child. Uh, not to go through the whole story now, but right, she, she has a child, he has a headache, he dies, she can't believe it, right? She's starving, she's, she's got uh, a financial distress, and everyone's left this widow of Vadya, Klaisrael's left them basically for dead, literally, and it's a terrible story. Alicia revives the child, he feels personally responsible, and he has this ability, he puts his face on his face and the whole thing, and one of the miraculous, right, um, one of the real holiest moments where you see a human being being able to do this, be that as it may, after he revives the child, he said, yeah, go and uh, have a good life. By the way, there's going to be a seven-year famine coming up. So the worst was yet to come, in a sense, for, all, for Kali Israel. Perhaps, as Rev. David Katz points out, um, for the lack of uh, empathy that they had from one, each other, from one another. Kali Israel has to hold each other up. Right? A lot of people have a tendency, obviously, in times of, that are rough, to hunker down and to be in self-preservation mode. But if everybody kind of bands together and collective preservation mode, it's more efficient, right? But here it's just like Lord of the Flies. And so in contrast to Avram Abin, who was always a giver and had an attitude of abundance, there was a real attitude of scarcity in Kal Yisrael. And so Hashem, in response, said, you want to see scarcity? Here, here goes scarcity. As the Gemara continues, What did they eat during the seven years of famine? Well, it wasn't good. Amar Lay, Rabbi Yitzchak answered, Hachi Amar Rabbi Yochanan, this is what I learned in Shir. Shonar Rishonu Achlu from Rabbi Yochanan. Shonar Rishonu Achlu Mashi Babatim. Okay, so the first year they were like bachelor pad, right? When you just eat whatever in the cupboard and you put pretzels together with uh, marinara sauce. Okay. Shniya Achlu Mashi Besados. The second year they ate whatever was in the fields. Okay. 
It's getting worse because now it's like leket shechapeh stuff. Shlishis basar behema tahira. Okay, the third year they're eating the flesh of kosher animals. Revius basar behema tamea. By the fourth year already, there was no more kosher animals left, so they started eating weird animals. Uh, like uh, right, chamishis basar shkatsimirumasim. In the fifth year, it was like the Far East where you have weird uh, like rats and and uh, locusts sort of hanging in the market. Shishish basar b'neim of Nosem. Sixth year, desperation and delirium sets in, and they're eating their sons and daughters, and then Shvi's basar zerosem. By the seventh year, they're eating their own arms. So, Lakayim should mashanemar ish basar zerosem. Right, and the Pasuk says, uh, this, is the, this is in Ishaya. It sounds like an element of, of Tachacha here, right? He's going to eat his, his own hands. This is like. Uh, like yeshiva guys on a Shabbos morning before Kiddush, right? They, they, they feel like they're so hungry, to eat, they're, they're ready to eat their own hands, even though they had the equivalent of Thanksgiving times two the night before. But this was the real stuff. This was actual starvation, delirium, and as bad as it gets. So now nine lines up at the bottom, that was conversation number two. Now, so a different, a different thing, perhaps related, this is Gullah's theme of the starvation. So what does it mean when Hashem says, there's something holy there with you, and I, Hashem, this is Hashem, me, Armael, me here, this is Hashem talking, that uh, there's a holy one amongst you in Hosea, and I'm not going to enter the city. So the Gemara asks, well, really, Rav Nachman is asking Yitzchak, this is wild. What, Hashem's not going to enter the city because there's somebody holy there? That it's counterintuitive. So Amar Leis, Rabbi Yitzchak said to Nachman, "Achi Amar Rabbi Yochanan." Rabbi Yochanan, he's basically what's happening is Rabbi Nachman is asking Yitzchak, "What do you hear in Shir?" Rabbi Yitzchak is telling him everything that he heard from his Rebbe Rabbi Yochanan. He says, "Amar Kadosh Baruch Hu, Lo Avu BiYishalayim Shel Mala Atchavali Yishalayim Shel Mata." This is what I mean. I mean, first I will enter Yishalayim Shel Mata, and that's going to be the pipeline to Yishalayim Shel Mala. Aha! So that's how you understand the pasuk. It says, "Until I." The Holy One am in your midst. Your midst meaning Yerushalayim Shalmata, Yerushalayim, the city of Yerushalayim. Until I go in there, I will not enter the Yerushalayim Shalmala, the city of Jerusalem that is in heaven, which is another way of saying, I'm not settled until, until you're settled. Or another way of saying it is, until you bring me in, Klal Yisrael, into Yerushalayim, I will be unsettled in the heavens, right? It's like, I'm not comfortable until you're comfortable. It's uh, it's an expression of love, really, to say, you know, this is not. I'm not enjoying the, any this gullus either. Says the Kaddish Baruch Hu. Okay, please let me into Yerushalayim so that I can, I'm not like sitting in my palace in the Yerushalayim Shalmala, um, wondering, waiting for you to sort it out. I'm with you in this in this mess, waiting for you to sort it out. And once you do, I will sit like they say. Um, right when they whenever they're building, I've been part. I've been zocha everywhere I've been. I always find myself in the middle of a shul building campaign. And also a construction on my own house. And then, so I have to give myself the muster, like, and, you know, I have, to, <laughs> I have to see if I'm going to be supportive of my house more than the shul, then that would be inappropriate, right, Andrew? Like, you have the, you have the Kedusha, Kedusha Sabais and Kedusha Saknesa, so you have to balance that um, in terms of priorities. What's that? You need a gold room in each house. Yeah, I need a gold room in each house. Is that what it is? Ashari Zion is pretty well furnished. I don't think that's why I like coming here. Anyway. Anyway, Umiika Yushalaim Lamala. Nah, you guys are the reason I like coming here. Well, the Gemara then asks, is there really Yushalaim in heavens? What's that about? Umiika Yushalaim Shalamala? Dhsiv Yushalaim Habunuya. Ki'ir Shahubar Layakdav. Yes. 
you have this in Tehillim. It says that Yerushalayim is built. It's like a city that's joined together with it. Joined together with what? Well, once you have a chibur, as Rashi explains, it's connected. Well, what would it be connected to if not the earthly Yerushalayim to the Yerushalayim Shalmala? That's what Rashi explains. In other words, that's how you know the Yerushalayim Shalmala. They are connected. The, the heaven and the earth are connected in the city of Yerushalayim. We will be zochah to see the uh, Yerushalayim Habaniyav soon. Okay. Question number, uh, discussion number four. Okay, about what happened in Shira. Rabbi Yochanan and Nachman wants to know from Yitzchak as follows. Rabbi Yochanan and Nachman are Yitzchak. Mind the chesiv of achas yivaru v'chaslu v'chsalu moiser havalim eitzu. What does it mean that what is this? The the avodah zara. There's a pasuk in Yirmiyo that talking about the avodah zara. They're all together. Yivaru v'chaslu means they're a bunch of morons. A chasil is a senseless, silly person. A rebuke of right moiser havalim of hevel right, which is all vanity. What's vanity? Eitzu, wood. So what is, he says, what does that Pasuk mean? Okay. Amalei, Rav Yitzchak says, Hachi Amar B'yachon. Rav explained like this. Achas hishim eva'eres rishonim b'gayenim. In other words, why do you have to use this particular choice of words? Yivaru v'ichaslu musar avalim. The language of senseless also means the language of meva'eres. It has the yivaru, which has a lashon of gehenim, the flames of gehenim. Mahi, and what is this Avodazara? What is this rather Avera? Avodazara. We're referring to Avodazara. Ksiv Hacha, how do we know? Ksiv Hacha Musar Havalim Eitzu, that, uh, again, in this Pasuk, that it's the vanity of wood, of praying to wood. Ksiv Asam Hevel Hema Maase Tatuim. Right? You have a Pasuk in, in the same context, different Pasuk, say, um, the idea of what? The vanity of having masa tatuim, which is basically a work of delusion, and therefore hevel, hevel, hevel eights, hevel tatuim, avodazara is what is referred to here, and thus concludes conversation number, I think it's four. So basically, explaining that pasuk, there's nothing more um, ridiculous than avodazara. Now, avodazara is really self-service, right? Nobody really believes that there's power in a piece of wood that you just, you know, fashioned out of a tree. But really, they want to be able to control their gods. It's a way of humans trying to control their gods, which is not how it works. So anyway, and that is the double. When Klal Yisrael does Avodah Zarah, it's really a double whammy. Why? Because, what does it mean? And that's the Pasuk, that's what the Pasuk over there says. That it was a double issue. Why? Well, why is it saying that the, the Klal Yisrael did two Averos, they did a lot more. Look at Yechaskel, and it has really 24 uh, Averos mentioned there that were really bad in that generation of the Chorba. Now, uh, okay, some of Farshim will say, really, it's 22, there's different Gersos, 22 might mean Aleph Tatav because there's 22 letters in the alphabet. Be that as it may, they did the full menu of Averos, not just two Averos. So Amalei, to Vietzel Kansar, Hachi Amar Biochanam, Achas Shehi, as we turn to Heyo and Beis, Right? It's the one of error that's like two. How so? My new Avodazar. Avodazar is like one of error that's like a double affront. Why? That's what the puzzle we just quote. So, first of all, they left me. I'm the source of living waters. And out of them, they think that they're making cisterns that are broken. Meaning, not only if you have 
somebody who doesn't have any elokah, as they say, doesn't have Hashem to turn to. So he's looking for something, right? But Kaiso already has something. So it's a double insult. You're leaving Hashem, and now you're looking for something? You have something. You don't need to look in the broken cisterns when you have Mayim Chaim. When you go, go to the islands of the Ketim, and you'll see, or go to Kedar, and you'll consider, look very carefully, and you'll see, they, has they changed their gods? Even though they're not God, in other words, go to uh, Hawaii, okay, go see the Polynesians, this is a, we'll talk about this in a minute, but this is the Polynesians, and they have the same ridiculous avodazaras for thousands of years. Annie Sheen, my orthodontic class, she had this little green Buddha hanging on her neck that she davened to or thought had magical powers. And that's like thousands of years old, this idea. And so they hold steadfast to things that you can plainly see are ridiculous. And we can't hold on to Kodesh Baruch Hu. we have to run and see other things? That's crazy. It's really lahaches. It's really dis- disrespectful. Tana and the Tana said, "Kusim oivdim laesh vekedarim oivdim lamaim," and the kusim they'll worship the fire. The kedarim will worship the water. Yeah, but they know that one can put the other out, or one can boil the other out. Right? Each of them knows that their power is not limited, uh, is not unlimited, and yet they stick with it. Right? And, and yet, you look at the Jews, and they're willing to give up on the Almighty. It's, uh, it's a Musser. Okay. Ten lines down. Conversation number what? Five. Right? Uh, non sequitur, not really. It's just conversations of these Gedolim. So, what does it mean that Shmuel became old? Shmuel, if you count up, look at Rashi, and he explains how. Basically, it works out that Shmuel was two years old when he, as most babies are, when, he's, when he weaned, when, when he stopped nursing. And then he basically worked, he works it out, Rashi, that he worked the full complement of 50 years in the base of Mikdash. That was basically his lifespan for a total of 52 years. So that's what the Gemara says. What does it mean Shmuel became old? Did he even have a chance to get old? He was 52 years old when he passed away. The Amar Mar, if somebody dies at 52 years old, that's considered the lifespan of Shmuel HaRamasi. So, Rabbi Yochanan explains, it became prematurely, he looked old, even though when he was young. The opposite of what's going on in this room, right, where everyone looks spry. So he says, uh, how, how do we know that he aged prematurely? Because this is what basically went on. Uh, but um, that you have, you made Shaul king, and Hashem is saying that he regrets that he made Shaul king. So Amar Lafanov, so Shemuel said to Ribon Shalom, Shekatani Kemoshev Aaron, you said that I was like Moshev Aaron, because it says in Tehillim, Dechsev, Moshev Aaron Bachanav, Shemuel Bakari Shemel. That's quite impressive company indeed, right? In the same Pasuk in Tehillim, you have Moshe, Aaron, and Shmuel. Wow. So Shmuel Navi says, you, you made an equivalence with Moshe, Aaron. But here's the difference. Moshe, Aaron says, Shmuel, ma, Moshe, Aaron, lo batlum, I say, deim, b'chayeyem. Right, Moshe, Aaron, whatever they did, when they passed away, they, right, appointed Yeshua, and Yeshua survived them. They passed away knowing 
that their legacy was in good hands. So I don't want to right, have Shaul, who was my appointee, pass away on my watch. I'd like whatever I did to just at least survive during my lifetime, which is to say he was asking to predecease Shaul HaMelech. He didn't want to die, right, after Shaul HaMelech. He didn't want to see the fall of his kingship. So Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hechi Abitz. Now Hashem, so to speak, has a conundrum. What should I do, says Hashem? Lemus Shaul? Should I let Shaul die? Loka Shavik Shmuel. Well, Shmuel won't allow it. Isn't that amazing? Shmuel asked nicely not to do that. So I can't do that. Lemus Shmuel Adizutar. So what am I going to do? I'm going to kill Shmuel now? I can't do that either. Not so much that Shmuel would mind, but Miranane Abasre. Yeah, but people are going to make fun of him and they're going to start saying Lashon Har about Shmuel, saying that he died. Don't forget. Less than 50 is Kares. It's questionable where Kares is. So like when a person dies young, uh, people assume, oh, Hashem, there must have been something that we don't know about this guy. And that's not good. That would be a terrible look. So what did he do? So, so he says, What? Let both Shaul and Shmuel survive? As we saw in the beginning of Brachas, right? That when, one, when the Machos David comes, you got to get rid of the old Machos, right? It's always a renewing world and there's a bigger picture at hand. And so you can't just, um, you can't just delay that. Wow. As the Gemara says, You can't have one Malchus encroach on another, even by a hair breadth. So it has to be, right, an overriding consideration is the passage of the generations, and they're already set that Malchus David time has come. So somebody has to go. Shaul really needs to go. But now Shmuel's put me in a bind, so to speak, because he doesn't want Shaul to die in his days. So what did he do? Amar Karish he came up with a patent. Akpitzalav Zikna. I'm going to make Shmuel prematurely gray. He's going to look like a 95-year-old man. And at that point, when he passes away, people will just assume that this was like an old guy. He was not that they won't know his age necessarily, but they'll say, you know what? Like it was natural causes. They won't think that it was, and then they'll get rid. Of, they won't think it was his averus. They'll get rid of the Ein Hara, and then he could uh, predecease uh, Shaul as Shmuel had asked, and then he could get rid of Shaul and then bring in David. Oh, This is all alluded to in the pasuk Shmuel that says, "V'shol Yosef begiva tachas aeshel berama." So you think it just means geographically as coordinates that Shaul is sitting in the giva under the tree in Rama. Well, there's a Giva, which is in the territory of Binyamin, and the Rama is in the territory of Ephraim. So what does it mean he's sitting in the Giva and the Rama? Which is it? Who was the one who caused him to stay the extra time in the Giva? The Rama is referring to Shmuel, who was from right, the Rama, and is therefore is a reference to that which is to say that it is because of Shmuel that Shaul lived two and a half years longer until David took over. Uh-huh. The Gemara then asks a fascinating question. Really? Are you going to, is, is it so set in stone that, um, you know, that one person coming into the world that Hashem has a plan for can nudge another one out? The Gemara says, in, yes. Right, it says that in the pasuk in Hosea that I that I have the words I hewn out chatzavti 
right, uh, by the prophets, and I killed them with the words of my mouth. What does it mean? Well, says the, says the Gemara, it doesn't mean that they were killed because of their deeds. Ella, imrefi. Imrefi is the words of my mouth, which is to say a divine, right, decree. That there was a divine decree that time passage had to march on. Alma, mitchi gavra, mikame gavra. In other words, it's really a priority for time to move on, and therefore, out with the old, in with the new, is part of the way the world progresses, and, and that's it, kind of, essentially, basically, we're saying inviolatable. Okay, so that has to be taken into consideration in the grander picture. So now we're four lines up from the wide, and we say, So they had these, like, five, six conversations, now they're sitting at a meal. Rav Nachman is always, right, hawking up Rav Yitzchak. So he says, He says, says the Dvar Torah at the meal. So Here's the Dvar Torah. Rabbi Yochanan says, don't talk during the meal. Because you could hurt yourself. You could swallow, right? Like the, right, when we talk about the um, direction that we lean when we do a Seba at the Seder, right? You don't want the windpipe to precede the esophagus, thus choking you. Right? So Bata the Saud, so Nachman listened, and then after the meal he hocks him up again. So Yitzchak then says, This is what Yochanan said. Just a random thought. He said, Say Vart, this was the Vart. Yaakov Avinu Lomis. Yaakov Avinu never died. Amalay. Hi. So Yitzchakman asked him. He said, So what was all that show with this Hespadim and the embalming and the burying? Like, was the, I mean, if he didn't die, then what was all that? So, I'm telling you from the Pasuk like this. Right? The Pasuk in Yerman. So, don't be afraid, Yaakov. And don't become broken, no matter how far and distant I seem, I'm going to deliver you. And I'll return all the, all the people from captivity. May it happen to me. Oh. Well, Avdi Yaakov, says the Gemara. Makish Hulazaro. It says Avdi Yaakov, and then it talks about the rest of Klal Yisrael at the end of time. Says the Gemara. Mazaro Bechaim, Afu Bechaim. That was the expo, right? That's how we explain the Pasuk. That just like the rest of us are now in the world, so too, Yaakov Avinu is still with us. Okay, another conversation. Oh, if you say the word Nachav, Rachav, who was, right, the famous Zona. So you're going to have a seminal discharge right away. It, she was so provocative. So I'm going to leave Nachman. Oh, no, I mean, yeah, I say it all the time. It doesn't have an effect on me. Okay, so I'm going to leave Yeah, it's because you don't know who it is. But I'm talking about if somebody knew who that was, she was, uh, she was uh, that provocative, okay? Anyway, that was the last conversation. And then and they're leaving. So, so now they're leaving each other. So he says, so Nachman says to Yitzchak, he asks him for a bracha. So Yitzchak says to him, let me give you a tale. So Chaim's excited because he came for this beautiful, famous song that came out of this bracha. He says, you want me to give you a bracha, Rav Nachman? Rav Nachman, you are the man. You are like an oasis in the desert. Everybody should be like you. I'm going to give you bracha. You're like the source of bracha for us. Let's say a person is walking in the desert. Right? Obviously, he's hungry, tired, thirsty. All of a sudden, you, in an oasis, you can't even believe it. A tree, beautiful fruits, shade. With a stream of water beneath. You can't believe your luck. You're sitting under this tree. You're eating from the delicious fruit. You're drinking from the water. Then he wants to bless this Elon when he's moving on the road. And he says, Elon, Elon, Bama 
says, how am I supposed to bless you, tree? I want to bless you. What am I going to bless you? You have sweet fruit. You have the free, sweetest fruit around. That your shade should be pleasant. Your shade has been a God saver, uh, a life saver. A godsend, I meant to say. That you have a stream beneath you. There's a stream. It should be Hashem's will that everything comes out of you as we arrive at should be like you. So too, if Yitzchak concludes his Rachatur of Nachman, what should I bless you with? In Torah, with Torah you have, in Be'oshar or Osher, you have wealth, in Be'bonim or Be'bonim, and you have beautiful children. Ella, Yerotzen Shiyutzatei, Me'echa Kamazcha, may your children be like you. We'll pick up tomorrow, Tanar Banan, four lines down from the bot, from the top of Vav Amad Aleph.